There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Introduce Gene. Uh, Gene was an all-state wrestler, all-Ivy League wrestler. Went to UPenn, graduated with two MBAs. Um, sports psychology and clinical psychology. psychology. So, um, yeah. He's a wealth of knowledge, obviously. He's the owner of Winning Mindset, and um, I just felt that this pertains to our company and, and what we do for clients. Um, having a strong mindset, we're told no way more than we're told yes in this business, so that can that can weigh on you as time goes on. So I really just wanted to have GNN to shed some insight on how he stayed so mentally tough. I was gonna tell a couple stories about our childhood stories, but um, I just wanted to really maximize the amount of time that he's gonna have to speak. So if there's time at the end, I'll tell a couple of funny ones. But um, <laughs> that being said, Gene Zanetti. Thanks, Tony. Good stuff, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait till I do something good. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm very blessed to be here. I'm a local guy, grew up in Edison. With Tony, we played football together, we wrestled together, workout partners for a while. My brother actually worked in this building, um, whereas I guess some, one of the other floors Merrill, maybe, yeah. at Merrill. Yeah, and then he actually quit that. So four years ago, five years ago, he quit full time. And I was a school psychologist in South Brunswick. And we both quit our jobs full time to start this business, Winning Mindset. Because we just know how much of success is mental. Right? And whenever I speak to different groups, it doesn't matter if it's a youth, a youth group, middle school, high school, college, we work with the Olympic team, we work with the UFC fighters. So basically we take some of the most mentally tough people and we make them even more mentally tough by teaching them the strategies. And it doesn't matter if it's business, if it's weight loss, I was a personal trainer and nutritionist, it's so much mental. So I always ask the same question in the beginning, what percentage of your success is physical, or maybe in this case not as much physical, but like a technical skills of sales? versus mental skills. If you had to put a percentage on it, what do you think? And don't just tell me what I want here. <laughs> Definitely not no mental from where I said. So I would say more physical. So I got a couple percentage on it, but I definitely need to have more mental um, intuitiveness or, or strength in that aspect. Yeah, and like our like our attitude, our effort, like how much of our success is related to that versus technical sales skills? Ninety ten? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's mentally tough, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very, right? And it's, so that, that, that's what it is. It's so much mental. We'll never be able to put an exact number on it. We could say it's very, very mental. Even, even 80%, let's take the low number. Then you ask yourself, 
how much time am I spending training my physical skills or my technical skills versus my mental skills? What does that look like? 90, 10 the other way. Pretty much the opposite, right? I wasn't a math guy. I was better at English, I was better at history, but I know that that's a problem. If we're saying something's 80% of our success and we're training 90% the other way, we have a problem, right? So whenever I speak to people, I'm always talking about we need to study the best people in the world, right? How do the most successful people think? How do the best athletes in the world think? How do the happiest people in the world think? How do the holiest people in the world think? Don't just follow the crowd, right? Most people, you guys know the bell curve, how that works? Yes, right? Where do most people end up? In the middle. In the middle, right? So if you just follow the crowd, even sometimes at work too, where do we end up? In the middle. So we got to start eye, eyes on the prize, start looking at the upper echelon and we find that success leaves clues. So we were just talking about there, speaking with Lance Berkman about baseball, the same things he was saying about his success in the World Series is the same thing I hear from our Olympians, same thing I heard as a personal trainer, same thing I heard as a nutritionist, same things I heard in my sports psychology program, right? So my two master's degrees, one's in clinical psych, one's in sports psychology, so it's all about how do you get as much out of yourself? And number one, working out of the things that are holding us back and number two, then optimizing what we do have. So we are saying it's very, very mental. So we need to start bridging the gap, right? So we can't just work hard, we have to also work smart. It's both. You know, and a lot of people, they use that, you've, hear, you've heard that before, right? Work smarter, not harder. But a lot of times people use that as a cop-out for what? Be lazy. Slacking off. You don't have to pick, right? It's, it's kind of like one of the things I think about with my faith being deep in my faith and during the time of Lent we're giving up something for Lent people are like oh I'm not going to give anything up I'm just going to do good works and it's like yeah hey, you don't have to pick you can do both right don't set up false dichotomies where you have to pick between something like that but big thing also I wanted to talk about is that I'm I'm really one of you I probably shouldn't even start with that I have everything in my business is all about sales in order for me to quit my job as a school psychologist and start this I had to be good at sales my brother does all the back office work, all the computers, all the um, emails, which is great. It allows me then to make these connections with these high-level athletes. Speaking at the Olympic Training Center, I was just at Arkansas last month for the um, state baseball coaches convention, and then working with, you know, you guys. Where being able to sell yourself is everything. And it was the same thing with, um, what else? All different areas, so sales and business. I actually taught a class, you guys ever see the movie Hitch? Yeah. Will Smith, right? So it's kind of funny, but I, I actually taught an informal class teaching guys how to meet and interact with women when I was in college. So like the skills, <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever, if you guys ever heard about the book, The Game, like the pick, the pickup artists or whatever. Well, I mean, okay, so now not all that stuff is real good, but the point is I was always a guy who was always, you know, the, the good friend, right? And Tony would get all the girls. So I needed to learn. It's like, what's, what's he doing, right? But the point is this, and like just learn, a lot of it is just like learning basic things, like how to not turn people off, how to learn basic strategies for interacting. And a lot of it is more like inner game, believing in yourself. So you realize that, okay, when I'm selling my business, those principles are the same as when I'm talking to someone I'm attracted to. And it could work girl to guy, guy to girl. We're still selling ourselves. It was the same thing in a job interview uh, when I was going for my master's degree programs. Same thing you guys get in your job interviews to get this position, right? It's the same thing. You're selling yourself. And actually also now being deeper in my faith, so I have a ministry also called Spiritual Strength, where now it's selling people the gospel message, right? It's still, it's the same thing. And the principles that I've learned, evangelization, 
before in the past with learning how to, you know, social dynamics with, um, you know, girls and business, the principles were the same, right? And if, you, and if you understand those commonalities, especially the inner game, the confidence, the mental toughness, the ability to relax under pressure, focusing on the right things, that's how you become successful. So it's the same in any area of our life. Actually, one of the things I was going to see, do we have like a broomstick or something I could, um, Spray yeah, off I should have said, yeah, I should have said, <laughs> start, start crushing people. Yeah. Something we can balance like on our finger. You have a baseball bat here? We can do that, we can do that the next time. That's a, yeah. a, little, a little focus exercise that we have. Well, one of the things we have people do, we call it the stick trick. We have people focus, so if it was a golf club, we'd have them balance it on one finger. I'd tell them to look down at their finger, right? And they can't balance it. No matter how good you are, no matter how coordinated you are, you put the stick on your finger, you're gonna pro and you're looking at your finger, it's gonna drop. But if you start looking at the top, it's very easy to balance. And what does that show you? It shows you it's not so much that you got stronger, faster, more technically skilled, or better looking. What actually happened is you started focusing on something else. And small changes in your focus have big impacts on your outcomes. That's a big like theme, right? Okay, so small changes in your focus have huge impacts on your outcome. And it doesn't matter in what area. So, I'm real big on taking these lessons. Yes, capitalize, make more money. This should make you better as a person. This should make you a better parent, a better spouse, a better friend, well, everything, better citizen, because you're focusing on the right things. And most of us get slowed down from the same mistakes over and over again. So we call this in sports, the mindset red flags, mistakes that we make. So if we could do it in practice, we could get the job done in practice, but then we get into a competition, a lot of times we choke. Right? We do better in practice than competition. It can be the same thing on maybe a practice sales call. It's easy to interact fluently, just you and I, but then all of a sudden, if I know money's on the line, I'm like, oh wow, this is a big deal. And I wet the bed, right? Because we're, I'm getting in my own head, so thinking about it like that. Sometimes being a slow starter. I know in my sales calls, I might not be as fluid in the very beginning as I am a few minutes into the call. That's important also, because if you want to close the big deals, and we get these different teams around the country, we got to come out of the box firing on all cylinders. Same thing in sports. You can't start picking it up in like the fifth inning of a baseball game. You got to be ready to go in the first. So making sure that we're not falling for these same kind of common mindset red flags. And it's the same thing that hurts us in our personal relationships and in our life. So one of the things we speak about is the predator and prey mindset. This is an interesting thing that I learned about in my animal behavior class when I was at Penn. This is a tough class. I actually got a D in it. But um, I learned something that, I've always, that I'll always take with me. That's, there's two different types of animals in the animal kingdom, predator and prey. How can you tell the difference between a predator and prey just by looking at them? No, you can't, you can't answer. <laughs> what is it? Their eyes. Their eyes, right. So if you think about predator animals, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, right? Where are their, where are their eyes located, on the front of their head or on the side? On the front. Why does a predator need to have their eyes in the front of their head? Yeah. What? You're right. But what is it? What is it? Sounds like enough. What? What was it? What were you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you said front to hunt. Front to hunt. We tell we tell our athletes. We tell everyone eyes on the front like to hunt. Let's hear. Eyes on the front like to hunt. That's right. Eyes on the front like to hunt. And then you look at prey animals: squirrels, chipmunks, rabbits, deer. Their eyes are located where? The front or on the side? Side. 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 Right. Why does a prey need to have their eyes on the side of their head? So they can watch their back. Side side side. 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 So they can see what's going on around them, right? Their focus is not as much on their goals 
as much as what's going on around them. Now I get it, the analogy is imperfect, right? The fray needs to stay alive. You get where I'm going with this. So we say eyes on the side like to hide. Say, eyes on the side like to hide, eyes on the front like to hunt. Very good. So then you say, okay, well, what does this have to do with my job? Right? What does it have to do with me and my life? A lot. This is an excellent analogy for yourselves. Everything that you're doing, sales, life, doesn't make a difference. If we're focusing on our goals and things that are within our control, that's having a predator mindset. If we focus on things outside of our control, it's prey mindset. So, great to set goals. You have a number that you want to hit for your sales. If you're focusing too much on the goal number, is that predator or prey mindset, and why? What do you think? Focusing on the goal number you're trying to hit. I'm not saying it can't be in your head, but if you're focusing too much on the number, is that predator or prey? It's prey. prey. Right, because that's not directly in your control. Three things, the, th the predator mindset is made up of three criteria. You wanna burn this into your mind. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. That's directly under your control. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. You could probably, you could probably make a case for putting aggressiveness in with like effort, but I like to actually say that because with my sales team also, I train our sales team for our business, and it's the same thing. Aggressiveness needs to be said explicitly. That is so important, that we're taking chances, that we're playing to win, not playing not to lose. In any area of our life, most successful people, fortune favors the bold. You've probably heard that before, right? Fortune favors the bold. You err on, if you're gonna err on the side of taking the chance or not taking the chance, err on the side of being gutsy. I always say that, err on the side of being gutsy. Those are the people who wind up, you know, making the money. Those are the people who wind up being successful. Those are the people who get a date for the prom, whatever, right? <laughs> Be gutsy. <laughs> and, we've, and we've all have examples. The whole thing is this, with confidence, we all have examples of times where we have been brave and gutsy and taken chances. And we also have a lot of times where, you know, we wimped out a little bit. I'm no different. Many times I've wimped out. Oh, you know, this girl's out of my league or whatever, and we don't, we don't take the chance, right? Or sales call. I know I'm dealing with one of the top coaches in the country, and I'm like, oh man, this would be a really big deal if I close this sale. And what happens? I'm a little more choppy. I'm a little more awkward. I don't bring out my best presentation. So we both have examples. We all have examples of times we did it well and times we didn't do so well. So if you want to be confident, confidence has a lot to do with what you focus on. Focus on the times you've succeeded. And what did that look like? So can you guys even recall some of your best sales calls? So what the sale usually is on the phone, right? Are you meeting with them in person? Yeah, what does that usually look like? A lot of these guys are calling at first to book yeah. the meetings and then, you know, they get a senior partner in front of them and they kind of close the meeting for them. Okay. So, I mean, the call is really where, where it happens. Yeah, where it happens. Yeah. The initial, right. you know, we're going to be on site these days just to explain who we are and how we help. Really, that's, that's what the call is. It's actually pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. And it's again, it's very, yeah, very similar with me too, so I'm in a very, very similar boat with all that. But making sure that, think about the times you did well. Can you name your three best, your, your three best closes? Or, the, or your three best performances? Here's another thing. Don't get too caught up in the outcome, whether or not you made the sale. You might have had a hell of a performance. And you want to remember that. Don't just say, oh, I didn't get the sale, that was a failure. Would that be predator or prey mindset? That's prey mindset. That's prey mindset. Right? A lot of times we think just focusing on winning and focusing on closing the sale, that becomes the predator mindset. No, it's not. It's how did I perform? How did I perform? And now I've got, um, got my first son on the way coming up any week now. It's an exciting thing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. 
So, you know, I want to pass those lessons down onto, onto him and, and looking at it, I think one of the things that I, I really think helped me in this whole predator prey mindset, my mom was, a, I would say, a predator mom. And for her, it was never like, oh, my, my friends are allowed to go out and do this. She's like, I don't care about what your friends are doing. That's not what you're doing. You know, all my friends have, the, have, have a cell phone. It didn't matter. You just couldn't say that with Mama Zanetti. It didn't fly, right? And you know, in an Italian household, any Italians here, you know, you don't have to look for advice. Advice finds you, right? So that's one, that's one of those things, but that's for sure, right? But yeah, it was just never an excuse. What are other people thinking, right? And that's how we want to, that's how we want to treat our life. So think about one of the first exercises I give people, any performance, what are your three best performances and then what are your three worst performances? You want to put those on two separate papers. I would strongly recommend you do this for the sake of time. We won't do, I won't like pause now and let you all fill it out now. But really, sit down, take the extra time, put the 15 minutes into doing this. It's going to go a long way. And you're going to be able to start seeing your mindset. Your three best performances on one paper. And then on a separate paper, not on the back, because I want you to be able to compare them side by side. Three best performances, three worst performances. What were you thinking before and during that sales process? What were you telling yourself? Did you prepare before? What, what did you eat before? Or what did you not eat before? Because that's important too. Like, how are you fueling your body? What were the actions that you were taking? Right, I find that when I'm on a sales call, um, I do my best when I'm up and walking around. When I'm sitting down, it doesn't tend to go as smooth. I actually, I get on more of a roll when I'm, move, when I'm moving. But that's me. That might not be you. There's no right or wrong here. You have to know what works best for you. Another thing I notice if I'm in a pretty good mood and if I'm looking at, the, if I'm framing the whole sales interaction as we're sitting on the same side of the table and we're, we're against, it's you and I against the problem, right? You want help, I can help you, let's work on this together. But there was other times where I know I approached a sale, I'm trying to sell you. And it became more of like a me sitting across from you as opposed to me sitting on the same side as you. That's a really good point. You know, and, but that's me. Maybe you're, everyone has different personalities. And for some people, for some of you, maybe we're a little bit too timid. And I was guilty of that plenty. I'm still guilty of it sometimes. And you might benefit from a little bit more of an adversarial style. Not, not you're trying to attack the person, but you might need to get it in your head before the call. Okay, I'm a shark, I'm a warrior, you know, I'm a lion, I'm going after it. For you, that might bring out your best. So when we talk about performance, the one word that always comes to mind is consistency. Right? A lot of athletes think it's confidence, but it's consistency. We do well sometimes, we don't do well other times. How can we become more consistent? That's always what we're talking about with performance. Sports, school, life, business, it doesn't matter. How do I become a consistent performer? You can't even talk about consistency if we don't first talk about what we're saying here. How do I have consistent thoughts, consistent behaviors, and consistent emotions? And that's where this exercise is absolutely critical. So if I say it once, I say it 46 times. You have to do the things I'm telling you to do. Okay, you have to do these exercises. So, seems like a lot of you work out, look like people in pretty good shape, right? If I said, how do, you, how do I get stronger legs? What would you tell me to do? Squats. Squats, what else? Lunges. Lunges, deadlifts, right? You could tell me the exercises for stronger legs. If I wanted to burn fat, what could I do? Cardio. Cardio, what kind of cardio? Biking. Biking. Running. Treadmill, whatever, right? You can name all these things I can do. You know, but this is good because you could tell me the things I need to do to get stronger legs. You could tell me the exercises I need to do to get in better shape, cardiovascular-wise, right? But then when I say, how do you become more confident? 
who winds up hearing crickets. Like there's a systematic process in place from going from A to Z to become more confident and the same thing with mental toughness and the same thing with relaxing under pressure and that's what we provide the systematic program and these exercises so i can't think if i want to strengthen my legs i can't just think about squatting right what do i have to do, go to the gym. do you got to actually get to the gym and you got to lift the weight right same thing if i want to go cardio right i want to get in better shape new year's pounds are on right or after the december the winter coat or whatever i got to burn this off Right, beach season's around the corner. I tell people I'm in New York now, but I'm like in, big, in New Jersey. That's a big deal, beach season. <laughs> but I want to get, I want to get, I want to get into shape. I need to know the exercises I need to do. I can't think about running. So with with sales and with our mindset, it's the same thing. You can't just think about about building confidence. You have to actually do these exercises. So when I say write these down, your three best performances and your three worst performances, and what were you thinking before and during each of them? That's the exercise. This right here, what I'm telling you, is not the exercise. Doing the exercise is it. That makes sense? That's such an important point. All right, think about this. There's three frogs that are on a lily pad. Two frogs decide to jump off. How many frogs are still on the lily pad? I didn't hear me talk about this one before. <laughs> no, I, <wasn't laughs> I mean, if I had a guess, I'd say one. Three frogs on a lily pad, two decide to jump off. How many are still on the lily pad? Zero. All three, because they decided to jump off, but deciding is very different than actually jumping off, mm -hmm. right? Okay. <laughs> you got it. It is good to make the decision. It starts with the decision, but then you have to actually pull the trigger. You got to pull the trigger. And one of the other nice acronyms that I like, or acronym, whatever you want to call it, mnemonic device, K minus A equals zero. So knowledge minus action equals nothing. K minus A equals zero. Knowledge minus action equals nothing. If you know what to do, but don't do what you know, what good is it? And I'm not, I'm not like preaching to you guys because it's every bit as much for me too. I know it's important to get eight hours of sleep. Knowledge minus action, last night I got six hours of sleep, equals nothing, <laughs> right? I knew it's important to get eight hours, but I didn't. Why? It means I need to internalize it more. I gotta jump off the lily pad, right? Because I know it's gonna be better for me. So knowledge minus action equals zero. So doing the exercises, doing the worksheets, all this, it's very, very important. Um, another interesting statistic that I learned, because as a school psychologist, we needed to learn how people learn information. How do you retain information? So if you're just listening to a lecture, kind of like what we're doing now, well, you're taking notes, so that's good, but if you were just listening to a lecture, how much percentage, what percentage of the information are you probably gonna retain? What do you think? Seven, five. Seven. Five, that's five. right, five. good, that's right, five. So we need to learn the learning pyramid, learning that as a school psychologist, just listening to a lecture, 5%. Reading, 10%. If, if it stops it just because it's very passive, right, mm -hmm. we need to be actively involved in anything we're doing. I and mean, that's, that's an easy thing to say to like athletes or people who exercise because we're more hands-on, tangible people. We need to touch it, taste it, smell it, hear it. What's the other sense I missed? Feel it. What, feel it. <laughs> we, gotta be, we gotta be kinesthetically involved. So that's why, and I really like writing the things down in your own handwriting, even as opposed to typing, because when you see it in your own handwriting, I don't know the research on this, don't quote me on it, I don't wanna give you guys wrong information, but I, I think it, you, you code it differently when you're seeing it in your handwriting versus when it's typed out. So write that down. And then here's what you want to do. With those three best performances, you want to try to find the common theme. What do they have in common? So one thing I noticed, in any kind of sales opportunity, whether it was asking someone out on a date, 
making a sales call for the business, um, evangelizing. Generally speaking, my energy level is at, it's slightly, it's generally slightly higher than the person that I'm speaking to. Not way higher, at, I'm at their level or slightly higher than them. And I've blown it a lot of times because you know, I'm a high energy guy and I'm, and I'm way over the top. Then it's like, whoa, you gotta pull it back a little. Take it easy. <laughs> but until I actually write that down, until I actually write it down and think about what are my worst sales, worst times I've done with sales, it was because I came in with way too high of energy or I was way too low of energy. Sometimes it's having a meal right before, right before speaking to someone. Because so I make calls basically all around the clock. So when you own the business, there's no hours. <laughs> you're constantly, constantly selling. And I'm sure a lot of you are like that too, right? It's the same thing, you're prospecting, you're always in the sales process in some way, shape, or form. So you gotta be ready to go. And I know after a big meal, sometimes I'm not bringing out my best. <coughs> also, if I'm not in a good mood, if I, you know, you'll get into moods, right? I have to be able to identify that in myself. And I gotta know, all right, maybe I gotta put the sales call off. I mean, either, there's two things I could do. Number one, I could figure out a way to flip the switch. And that's something we talk about also. Or I have to put this call off till later. Otherwise, I know I'm not gonna give them my best. So you need to know what are your triggers, what's bringing out your best, what's bringing out your worst. And you're not gonna know that just from me talking to you. You're gonna learn that from your three, best, your three best performances. What was I thinking before, during, and then what are the common themes? And then in the other paper, and then generally, I mean like almost every time when we have people do this, they write down those three best, those three worst performances. If you hold those up side by side, it's like seeing two totally different people. It's like seeing two totally different people. It's amazing how it works like that just about every single time. So it's, it's, you start to see these patterns. We think that we're so different, and we are. There's uniqueness about all of us, but there's also a lot of, there's also a lot of common ground and things become predictable. And I could see what mistakes we're gonna make just based on what I've made in the before and what other people have made. The same thing our Olympic athletes struggle with and our UFC fighters, it's the same thing as our youth athletes. Same thing. They don't wanna let their parents down. They're thinking too much about winning. They give, they give a good opponent too much respect. Same thing. I've done all these things, not only in sports, but in sales. Predictable, becomes predictable. I'll show you a thing about predictability. So we'll do a little bit of math. Everyone get a small number in your head. Got it? I'd like you to double it. We're good? Okay, now let's add 12. Take away half the number. Take away the number you started with. Who's with me? Give me a thumbs up. Turn that number into a letter. A is one, B is two, C is three. Don't count, don't count out loud. Keep it to yourself. All right, I want you to think of a state that begins with that letter. Florida? Florida. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Florida? Florida? Yeah. So a lot of, and after you do that, a lot of people ask me how I did it. Perfectly, I thought. <laughs> but in any event, I wake up screaming in the middle of the night because I can't figure it out myself. But the point, the point is, it's a little bit of a fun thing, but the point there is that it's predictable. We're not so unique. And if you capitalize on these, on focusing on the right things, you're gonna have a lot more success. So what are some, let's, let's go around now here, like let's open up the dialogue a little. What are some common prey thoughts, whether it's thinking about outcomes, letting people down, keeping the job, right? I get it, that this stuff is gonna be in the back of our minds, but if it's at the forefront, it's prey mindset. It's gonna get us in, in a lot of trouble. Comparing to other people, that's another one of the biggest forms of prey mindset. And I don't take this, I don't take this lightly as a, as a former school psychologist. We've seen 
you know, depression, suicide, substance abuse, the lowest of the low. And all of us, we've been in bad spots in our lives too, getting down into these low areas, maybe after a breakup, after, uh, and after I got kicked out of my doctoral program, I was going for my doctorate and then got a C in statistics, got knocked out. Like that was a low point in my life. I'm like, what am I gonna do now? So when we compare ourselves to other people, man, why, does, why is this person married and I'm not married? Why is this person driving this car and I don't, and I don't have that? Right? When we're overly focused on other people, that's what brings about this depression, suicide, substance abuse. It's terrible stuff, right? And like I said, we've all been in these low areas at different points. And social media actually makes it worse because now you're seeing all pictures and videos of people and no one ever posts a picture when they're having a bad day. You're flipping through Instagram, you know, they're with all their friends, they're going out, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're in Miami, everyone's having such a great time. And when you start looking at it, you're like, man, I, I just kind of feel like crap today. It's like, what's wrong with me? And they have bad days too. So we, in other words, we focus too much on other people. And it's okay to be competitive, and I could want to outdo my buddy in sales, that's great. But if I'm focusing on him too much, that's soft, that's prey mindset. I'm being that little chipmunk. I'm not being the shark. I'm not being the, the, um, the lion or the tiger. I gotta focus on me, and he's gotta focus on him. And then let the best person win, whatever, right? So what are some common prey thoughts that we might have as a group? And again, don't feel bad about it because if you have it, chances are everyone else has and I'm sure I had it, yeah. I think a good one for what we do is like when you're following up with a prospect, yeah. just like running in my mind saying like, I really hope they get back to me. Instead yeah. of like being like, oh, he'll get back to us, you know? And yeah. I think that's a, that's a mindset. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good one. Because yeah, I'm getting all like, no, that, that's I, true. He's right. I can't believe he's like, I need him to get back to me. Like, I need him to get like respond. Why isn't he responding? Like stuff like that. Well, yeah. just to piggyback off sure. that, no, like he, Ken's in his second year, and I'm, I'm in, you know, a senior guy now compared to yeah. these guys. But uh, I still have that. I closed business maybe three weeks ago. The guy said yes. He just needs to take his medical. I know that he's traveling all over the place. I know I'm gonna get back in front of him, but I was feeling down about him not getting back to me on an email that I sent in two days. Like, I felt myself getting down and knew, like, this is ridiculous. I was able to obviously overcome that, but honestly, I still feel that what he's feeling about people that I've even closed. So um, that is a big trend in our business as far as uh, just having mental garbage and really how to clean that up. Yeah, and just like you said, I thought this was great, though. Like, just like what I was talking about with Lance Berkman on the phone, it's the same thing as this World Series hero, six-time All-Star. He said, you are failing more times in baseball than you're succeeding. And I know with sales, too, you fail a lot more than you succeed. A lot more. And so, how do you, and so bouncing back is critical. You see, happiness is nothing more than having a poor memory, right? If you can't remember what happened yesterday, you're feeling pretty good today, right? You're feeling pretty good. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing when we're in these sales situations. We have to put, we have to quickly sweep these things um, under the rug and forget about it. Put it the very, the very next play. Or as a receiver, it's like if you, missed the, if you missed the pass, the next one might save the game for the team. So it's, it's, it's a really big deal. And being, able to, and being able to deal with that effectively. So you're saying there is being able to, I hope the person gets back to me. So I don't know, what are, the, what are like the norms in the business? Like how do you reach out to the people? Because for me, with my sales approach, I'm just, I'm just ferocious. Like when I get the coach on the, on the list, I friend them on Facebook, I friend them on LinkedIn, and now all of a sudden, like um, dripping emails. On, dripping on them. 
Yeah. As much as you can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we so do I don't know the norms like for you guys. I'm dealing with the coach, you yeah. know. So we do the same type of stuff, but um, yeah. after the first meeting, usually a week after, we'll follow up to get them back on schedule to collect all their facts because obviously we don't know how we can help until they divulge some information. The first meeting is just explaining kind of like, you know, how you did in the beginning, how we can even help, how can we even yeah. add any value whatsoever. Uh, after that, they either decide to take a second meeting and divulge all their information so we can really give them a professional assessment or they don't. So that's the call he's talking about is just getting them back on to give us information so we can potentially show them how we help and close the business. So um, that's that's I just know that that's a big one for these guys because I remember calling in my first year and second year and that was a big one for me. I used to have my senior partner in front of a monster and then be waiting for two weeks to just to even hear this guy's voice again, send him emails, but you don't want to, you have to walk that line between being persistent and yeah. being annoying, right? Yeah. So um, that's kind of the line that these guys and girls have to walk is what's the line between being persistent and being annoying? Yeah, uh, for me personally, because again, we're doing sales all the time, I'd err on the side of being annoying because, uh, <laughs> because like, Make them say no. whatever, you know, I got, Bottom line is this going to, you know, in the future, it's going to affect my kid's school clothes money, right? <laughs> like if it comes across a little annoying, that's fine. I mean, of course, you want to learn from the experience. Then after the call, you want to evaluate. It take, it's one of those things, it takes a little bit of time. Nobody likes to do it. I don't like to think back, especially when it doesn't go my way. What happened here? What did I do well? What do I need to improve? I tell all of our athletes, after every competition, name three things you did well, three things that you could improve, and move on. Because you can't keep dwelling on it. Same thing with, it's the same thing when I'm on a sales call. What are three things I did well, three things I could improve, and now move on. So important to know, but I would err on the side of being annoying. So my, my thing is I, fo I follow up in the beginning. So I get the, they get a call and a text from me at the beginning of the week, then they get a call in the end of the week if they don't get back. And um, yeah, it's just it's important. I do that for three weeks, and then the third week I call from a different number because they might have my number saved. And I, and I want to catch them on the phone, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I don't care. So, so, so you got to get creative. You know, sometimes you might have to do that. And also building up the pipeline. That's so, that's so important too. Like don't get overly dependent on any one lead. And it's easy for us to do. And a lot of times that, you know, even thinking about these different situations with some of these high level athletes, oh, we might, we might be closing this person, whatever. I got to prospect new people. I got to build up the pipeline. And then what does it do? It conveys non-neediness. It's going to come across in your calls and your tone and the way you speak to other people. If you're not needy, if you have other options, that'll come across, right? So that's so important. And that's the same thing if you're, you know, looking for a date. If you come across as needy, you're going to, you know, you're out. Uh, and, and a lot of times they will, a lot of times, well, well, no, we're, no, no, we're all guilty. We're, I'm like exhibit A, I'm like exhibit A of this whole situation, that, it, that it's true. Or if like, if we're overly needy, we're, we're going to be out. It's going to come across in our tone in the way, in the way we express ourselves. So keep building up the pipeline. Keep building, uh, obviously do that ethically with your relationships. That's <laughs> <laughs> not saying build, build it a pipeline. Yeah, I'm sure I'm like that. <laughs> no, don't, do not build a pipeline that, in that situation. Yeah, so, so, so I would err on the side of being annoying. Unless you were known for being annoying, then I would, then okay, like that's a, that's a unique case. Nine times out of 10, that's not what it is. Just like with athletes, most athletes will say, oh, what about it being too aggressive? And I'm like, you know what? Once you're, once you're too aggressive on a regular basis, then we'll revisit the issue. Let's get you to the point where you're, where you're taking too many chances, right? Err on the side of being gutsy. So that's a good point right there. Does that help a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah, good. I mean, this must uh, Just like the anticipation of being asked a question that you don't know the answer to. Yeah. Drives me nuts. 
Yeah, and, and you know, that's, that's something with me too because I always feel like I have to have an answer. If you, if you say something to me, I gotta have an answer. And sometimes being able to say, you know, I don't know, I'll get back to you. And sometimes it's good to plan that in your head. Like we, we talk about dealing with adversity situations. Um, being able to reset yourself in all different situations. We all don't like to be stumped, whether it's about if I'm, if I'm speaking with my ministry and I'm stumped about a faith question, it's like, I wanna have an answer for you right now. If you ask me a question, I wanna have an answer. I wanna be seen as the expert. Like, how are we gonna handle that in those moments? And sometimes just simply saying, I don't, I don't know that, or I'll get back to you, right? So um, script out, what would that look like? Think about some common adversity situations that you might encounter during the sales process. What might they be? Okay, um, getting a question we don't know the answer to. What else would be another situation like that? Um, they object to what you presented. They object yeah. to what you presented. Maybe they're being an idiot, yeah. right? Maybe they're indifferent. Maybe they're maybe they're agree. Maybe they're um. They seem like it seems like it's going almost too well. These are all common adversity situations that all of us encounter. That I still do too. What I would do if I were you again, another mindset exercise. I would write down these different situations. Put down like five or ten of them. What are you going to tell yourself in that moment? What's going to be your response? Because sometimes just planning a response ahead of time is half the battle. You're ready to go, right? So what are you going to say? Like, you know, the woman tells me, you know, have a good day. Don't tell me what to do. I don't even know you and you're already ordering me around. You know, like, it's good to have that. <laughs> it's good to have that. That's a small thing. But like, you get what I mean. Like, knowing what you're going to do. You make a mistake. How many times during the call I, I say something? shoot, I shouldn't have said that. I think I turned the person off, right? The call's not over. They're still on the phone with me. What are you gonna tell yourself to let that go? So plan that out. Again, that's, that's taking the extra step now and writing that out, script it out. So we say, so what, what do you think might work for you? Like, think about that. What would, what would work for you in that moment? Saying you don't know, or maybe it's a situation where you can't say that? Deflect to your Just senior deflect partner. onto him. <laughs> yeah, say that's, that's more of a, a question for my senior partner. So I, he has so something that he says, religious. you know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, is it, do you want to say? Is it right to say? I don't know. Is it is it right to say? My senior partner just say, let me let me talk to one of our one of my partners, one of my colleagues, just to make it sound like you guys are on even, so you look like the expert. Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, that would be ideal for him to say something like that. Yeah. Let me get back to you on this. I'm going to check with uh, one of our, uh, one of our senior partners. That that would sound the best. Yeah, yeah. that's what, that's what we usually do. And I've I've read this in many sales books in the past. I've been a real st student of like the the sales uh, process and everything. And they're saying always have an appeal to higher authority, so you could always kick it to someone else so you could control the pace of an interaction let me let me check with one of our managers about that you ever buy a car and you see that they're always going into the other office let me check with one of our managers if we had Mafucci here right yeah. now that would help yeah. <laughs> but, but it's the same thing it's like being able to control the interaction if I don't know the answer to something my brother's my partner in, in our business winning mindset I'll say yeah I'll check with my brother I'll check with my partner and our sales team I train all of them I say everyone in the business is a manager don't say you're a salesman, this or that, everything. You're all managers. Say, I gotta to talk to one of our managers about that. And, and it gives, it allows you to buy some time. And it's also not the worst thing because now you just became a vessel of information for that yeah. person. And now they don't have to go research that stuff. It's on you to figure it out for them. Yeah. You know, and now you're valuable to them. You just added value. You do, and you get back to them and also you're honest, yeah. right? How much sometimes we talk to someone, we all have friends, right? I'm probably guilty of it too, being like a little bit of a know-it-all, right? And it's like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you respect the person a little more? It's like, crap. I don't know the answer to that, yeah. right? Right, so probably build a lot more credibility rather than just try to wing it all the time, right? So good, good lesson to me. <laughs> what else? Good, good. That's important. And like I say, everything that you bring up, this is like a gold nugget of information because you're not the only one struggling with that. You're not the only one struggling with that, it's all of us, 
right? What other, what other times might we get too caught up in like the prey mindset comparing ourselves to other people? Do we compare ourselves to one another? Oh, yeah. Possibly. In this type of business, for sure, everybody, yeah. the, the reports, the production reports come out once a month, so everybody's looking at that to just see where they're at or where someone else is at or where their goals are gonna fall in line with who's producing what. Like, I'm, I've been looking at that for six years, but I still see the top guy, Ben Felicelli, he's got 800 and change, whatever, yeah. <laughs> PCs of production, and that's just something that you aspire to, but do I spend all my nights and days worrying about it? Definitely not, you know? Yeah. Yes. But you're, yeah, in this type of business, for sure, everybody's looking at someone else's name. Yeah, and, and it could be like you, you have it as motivation, but you don't dwell on it. So like be aware of it, but don't dwell on it, right? That's, that's the big thing. And then also, what, are, what kind of information are we putting in our, in our brains on a regular basis, right? Garbage in, garbage out. So the best people are the most successful people in any area of life, they live it. This is who they are. It's very congruent with them. So giving a mindset presentation isn't very difficult because this is what I do, like this is who I am. I, I couldn't not be the mindset guy. I've toned that down with my wife sometimes. She's like, I want you to be the mindset guy. I want you to be my husband. I'm like, I'm trying, you know? <laughs> it's, but, it's, but, but, but it's hard, you know? But you gotta live it. And a lot of it is what information are we putting inside our mind? So, you think about your social media pages, the movies you watch, the songs you listen to, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put inside your senses, that's what you're gonna start getting out. So a lot of us, you know, scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, these kind of different things, start filling your brain with positive, empowering things. So for me, I have, a, I have, a LinkedIn, uh, I, um, I have an Instagram page for my business, and then I created an, a different page that whenever I scroll, you know, sometimes you're just like hanging out, you're just like scrolling through pictures or whatever. That is all exercise, religion, business, sales, motivational speakers. So I'm constantly seeing these people. It's like, all right, these people are eating healthy. These people are, you know, closing sales, motivation, you know, it's, and it's all, you know, positivity, my faith. It's all right in front of me. So I'm pumping that into me. Otherwise, what happens? We start scrolling through and we just start getting caught up in different things. We're comparing ourselves to other people and all that. So what information you're listening to, what you're, what you're watching. And again, you become, you start to present. I find if I watch certain presenters, motivational speakers and salespeople, I'll start to sound more like them in a good way, in a good way where you're modeling that good behavior as opposed to if you're watching other things, your, your brain naturally goes in a different direction. So be careful the information you're putting into your mind. And a big point also that I wanted to bring up is we need to focus on our identity. People talk about confidence, right? How do I build confidence? Confidence comes from your identity. The acronym I always use is behave, the word behave, okay? So that's broken down into two words, what are they? Be and have. Be and have. If you wanna be confident, you gotta to remember to keep it in that order. Most people don't keep it in that order, people focus on what they wanna have, right? I wanna have a million dollars, I wanna have successful marriage, have, 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 have. You gotta focus on the person that you have to be. Focus on the person you have to be. So if I know, if I want to be successful, okay, I know I want to, it's great to have the goal. I have the goal of being a successful salesperson, you know, taking our business to the next level, bringing this thing overseas, spreading out to all sports. I know what I want to have, great. Put that over to the side. What kind of person do I have to be? I have to be disciplined. I got to get up early. I got to follow up with people like crazy. The fortune's in the follow up. That's what I found. And I mean, it's a common sales thing, but the fortune is in the follow up. You have to follow up. You have to hit it hard. You have to keep getting back to these people over and over until whenever it is in your sales cycle that you see, okay, this is not a, at this point, it's no good to be doing that, right? Like you're, now you're following up too much, but fortune's in the foul. I have to be that kind of person. I have to be a high energy person. I have to be this, that, and the other thing. If I focus on who I have to be, 
I'll get what I want to have. And it, this isn't just coming from me. This is all the sports psychology lessons. This is all your favorite athletes, your favorite singers, your favorite bands, all that stuff. It's the same thing, you're focusing on identity. But if we're sucked into trying to be the kind of person that makes, you know, looks good in front of other people, that, that hurts. That hurts. That's why, again, you see a lot of these high-level high athletes, real successful people, great looking and great shape. They have all these friends, all this popularity. They're depressed. They don't even want to live, right? Some of our favorite celebrities, you know, you know committed suicide and stuff. It's, it's terrible because they're not focused on the identity. It's about the comparing to other people and, and how do I look in front of other people. So identity. Behave. Keep the be in front of the have. Important lesson. Teach your family. Teach your kids if you have them. That's important. Identity is everything. That's confidence. What else? What do we have? What do we have with time? Because sometimes the best thing is... You can have another 20. 20? Yeah. I wanted to open up 15, 20 minutes. I wanted to open it up. I figured as we do these workshops, 15, 20 minutes, probably a good time to open up the floor for questions. So it's not just me talking to you, but what situations do you get in that I could help with that we say? Well, how do you rebound when you get a lot of amount of no's? in a row, like you have a couple of bad days where you're not really getting a lot, like what's, what's the mindset that you have to get into to say, okay, next week, that's not going to happen? Yeah, first thing I would think is, has there ever been a time that you've done that well, rebound, rebounding? Because yes, it's good to have, there's two things you could do. Number one, what worked with you in the past, and two, what do your role models do? So I could use my role models, I could find, hey, my buddy over here rebounds really well. What does he do? What does he tell himself, right? That's good. That's, that's good information. You want to know that, but also... Have you done it in the past? I mean, I was a personal trainer and people come and they say, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds, I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, great. Have you ever been consistent with an exercise program before? Right, or I, have you ever been consistent with a, with a dieting program before? Yes, and they, t and they tell me, okay, what were you telling yourself in those moments? So I would start with that. Like, what have you done to bounce back? Because you might have a lot of those answers in yourself. You know? So can you think of anything? I put you on the spot here a little bit. Yeah, no, it's just knew that. This is a process and that like it's a with anything else you're gonna get a lot more negative responses than you are positive and I knew that I don't succeed in this business because of the person I am so I figured you know the next time I get into it I'm going to be forget what happened and move on and say no this is gonna be better yeah have you ever had a situation where you had a little bit of a dry spell and then all of a sudden boom you got a big one that's probably happened to all of us at one point in time or another where we were, you know, real dry, and then all of a sudden, bam, it was like the, the darkness before the dawn, right? So remember that, yes? I would say more of what you said before helps like me with that, removing myself from the result and thinking about how I did in the process. So I'm more evaluating how I do on each time I'm prospecting rather than what the result is that comes out of it. Because if you're working on that and that's getting better, the results are gonna come anyway. So maybe it's not something you did. Maybe it was just a prospect that didn't need what you were offering or, or whatever it was. But if you feel like you did a good job on that call and it didn't result the right way, that can still be a victory. And then you can look for positives in those negatives based on what you can control again. That's a really important point. And, and um, we're all kind of saying the same thing with that, but one of our lessons that we talk about is redefining success and failure. If you look at the most successful people in any area, they define success and failure very different than average people, all right? You want to make it in terms of things, define success and failure in terms of things you could control. So what do we say? What are the three things we could control? What did I say to burn into your minds? Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Right. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. So effort, did I go all out? Now what does that look like in your field? What does it mean to go all out? 
right? Or did I hold back? Keep it very simple. Did I go all out? Did I hold back? Two, attitude. Did I stay positive the whole time, right? I might not get the sale and I might even sense that things aren't going my way. Ah, this, this one's not gonna close. This coach isn't interested and I'm talking to them on the phone. But did I continue positive? Did I ask with expect, expectation, right? Anytime you ask, you should ask expecting the sale. Not always easy to do. Easy to say, easy for me to say right here, but a lot harder when I'm on the call to say, okay coach, so which option do you want to go with, our gold program or our silver program? I have to ask expectedly, and I don't always do that. And that would mean my attitude wasn't where it needed to be, right? So attitude, and then aggressiveness. Did I take the chances? Did I ask for the sale? Did I follow up hard? Did I follow up hard enough? So that's how I'm gonna start, and, and then did I give the presentation, did I go through the presentation the way, it's, the way I'm supposed to, right? So breaking down the performance in terms of things that are within your control, effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Um, remember I was talking to Mafuchi about this, so he was saying his sales, um, what, so the quarterback for a football team in high school, he was, um, he's actually one of the reasons why, probably the big reason why I'm here, and Tony can keep, keep in touch and everything, and, um, and for him, when they sell cars, they gotta make sure, okay, you're walking, every, you're walking them through the lot, you test drive the car, like there's certain procedures they have to follow. And, and he said, you'd be surprised how many people, because he's a sales manager, he'd be surprised how many people don't go through that process. It's the same thing with sports. You know you're supposed to stretch, why don't you stretch? You know you're supposed to go through the pregame routine, why don't you go through the pregame routine? These are things that are within your control. That's how you define success and failure. And then again, don't take my word for it, look at the best athletes, the most successful salespeople, the richest people in the world, they do those things. They do them on a regular basis where it becomes a habit. It's hard not to do those things, right? That's why habits are everything. That's so important. Your habits, first you form habits, then they form you. So it's very important building good habits. That's gonna dictate your success. And generally, if you wanna build a new habit, build the new habit on top of an old habit. Right, so like try to like piggyback one habit on top of the other. So if you're used to doing something, so if you're preparing for your, if you're, you have a, a certain way you prepare for your sales calls and you know there's something else you wanna do, like pair those two things together. So that make a little bit of sense? Like pairing habits together, that makes them even stronger. So piggybacking one habit on top of the other. Good, good. Um, what else? For bouncing back, also yeah, have, have role models, right? We all need heroes. In every area of our life that we're trying to be successful, you have to have heroes. What do they tell themselves? Or if I imagine some of my favorite, um, some of my favorite salesmen, different books I read, I'm like, how does this person probably handle that situation? Ah, they don't care. They brush it off and they're right back, right? So, know what you're, gonna, what you normally do that brings you success, and know what your heroes do. And also, talk to one another. That's so important to communicate. Chances are, everyone in this, everyone in this room is probably an all-star at some part of the process, so you wouldn't be here, even if it's just a small part of the process, right? How, how can you learn other people where they're, where they're an all-star in that little part of the process? Right? Every, so picking out, like asking questions and finding out where everyone's really good, and that's how you become exceptional. You know, always ask. Right? If you don't ask, hey, you, don't, you can't G-E-T. If you don't ask, you don't get. Right? It's, it's that simple. The answer to every question you don't ask is no. Right? And I think, it's, I think studies show that like, you have to say that in, in the sales process, like, you hear five no's before you hear yes, like most of the time. Right? I was, I was going through some of my sales notes last night. Now, another cool one was only 10% of salespeople know more than five different closing techniques. So, again, if you want to be exceptional, learn a sixth. If you want to be ambitious, learn a seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth. Right? Um, great book that I read on selling, The Little Red Book of Selling by Jeffrey Gittimer. And he talks about like, there's always little things you could be doing to improve yourself. 
And he says, very important to ask good questions of our clients, right, our potential clients. If you don't have at least 20 good questions, you could ask that, if you don't know 20 good sales questions to ask the person to gain information, don't watch any more TV or play any video games until you do that, right? Like that is your first order of business. Learn good questions to ask people, right? And they said basically that the, the, the four, what was it, the four, the five reasons why people usually don't uh, sell, why people say no to a sale, uh, MT, so the acronym I remember was MOUNT, and then the, and then the word um, NUT, N-U-T, MOUNT, NUT. <laughs> so money, time, uh, what was it, N is need, urgency, and then what was the other T? Uh, I'll get back to it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, I'll figure it out. I'll get back to it in the next one. Something for the imagination. But yeah, so we have to raise the need. We have to raise the urgency. That's important. So we need to know those kind of things. What else? Other questions? Getting derailed. Anything else? I know you check yourself. Yeah. When you're feeling down or low energy, or what do you? What else do you do? What does the What does the mindset guy do when he's down? When he's low? Besides checking all the things that you said, what else? Yeah. What's something that you personally do that maybe we could? But, buttons. We all have buttons. We all have things that make us happy. We have things that make us sad. We have things that make us motivated. You need to know your buttons. We know what makes us angry, right? What do we call them? Pet peeves. No, right. <laughs> we, go, we have pet peeves. Everyone could probably identify their pet peeves, right? As time goes on, and they, and they go from, and they go, from, they start off as pet peeves when you're younger, and then when you're older, they're like major psychotic hatreds, right? But it gets, it seems like it, seems like it gets worse and worse over time. But the point is, you know your buttons when you're angry. You need to know your buttons for what makes you happy, what makes you motivated. Everyone has buttons. It could be certain songs. Um, Songs, videos, people, motivational quotes. So for me, that's why I like to have my favorite quotes very available. My favorite motivational quotes, I could see them right away. I like to have pictures that motivate me, you know, for me, like Rocky or Rudy or whatever. Like, I like to have that in front of me. So what are your buttons? Are there certain people? You gotta know, I gotta know who are the people that pick me up. When I'm around certain people, I feel more motivated. When I'm around some other people, I don't feel so motivated, right? Similar experience, everyone. So I know if I need to pick myself up, I gotta get away from these people today. I would have a playlist. That's again, the beautiful thing about our iPhones, right? Have a motivation playlist or have like a bouncing back playlist, have a calming down playlist. So in other words, you could trigger the exact emotions you want on command with the music that you listen to. You know, that's an important thing. And then also simply acting the way you wanna feel, right? You heard fake it till you make it. Well, fake it till you feel it. Right? Fake it till you feel. Don't just fake it till you make it. So it's like this. If I'm sitting in a class, like I guess kind of like how you are right now, if I wanted to be interested, I don't care what the teacher's talking about, whatever, you know, I got, I got other things to do. If I want to be interested, the simplest way to become interested is to act interested. What would you look like? What would your body language look like if you were interested? If you were really interested, what would it look like? We started sitting up, we're leaning forward, we're nodding our head, our eyes open a little bit wider. Simply, by, I get ready to take notes, right? Simply by doing those things, by leaning forward, opening my eyes, nodding my head, you start to feel a little bit more interested. Now, it's not gonna change everything. Like if we're looking at a scale on one to 10, if I'm at like a two right now of being interested and I change the body language, maybe it brings me up to a four or five. That's gonna be the, be, that's gonna be the difference in what grade I get in that class. If I'm on the verge of a C plus and a B minus, that might put me into the honor roll. Sale, that might be the difference between how much money you're making. 
So bringing yourself up from a two to a four is a big deal. Don't look at it as like, oh, all of a sudden you're gonna change everything. So in other words, if you wanna bounce back, if you wanna get motivated, if right now my motivation level is at like a three, don't think about getting it to a 10. Get it to a six. And you could do that through music. You could do that through watching a short YouTube video. You could do it from um, having your, your favorite quotes in front of you, right? Having a conversation with a friend that you know picks you up, right? So bouncing that off each other, that's an important thing. So what is it? What are your personal motivation buttons, right? That's what we say, motivation. So what are your personal motivation buttons? Do you know what they are? Write them down, like take time. Actually flip the sheet of paper at some point and say, okay, motivation buttons. And then after we're done talking, write them down. Otherwise nothing happens. K minus A equals zero. All right, so make sure we put that down. What else? That's good, knowing, knowing our motivation buttons. Also another thing with motivation, what's the root word in, in motivation? Motive. What are our motives for human action? Get a little psycho. You'll indulge me to be a little psycho psychological with you for a moment. Our motives for human action, for all human behavior, every action you take, every decision you make, is broken down into two motives. A desire for pleasure or a fear of pain. Desire for pleasure or fear of pain. If you know that, you can change behaviors. You could change your actions. You could change other people's actions. There's always a payoff. No one ever does anything intentionally to hurt themselves. I mean, we do things that hurt ourselves, but we're, we're not focusing on trying to hurt ourselves. We're trying to get away from some pain or we're trying to move towards some pleasure. So you have to always ask yourself, what's the payoff, right? So if I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna be lazy and bum it around, which I do like anyone else, I get lazy at times, what's the payoff? What am I getting here? Well, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of a break from my work, so it's alleviating some pain. Pleasure, I get to watch my, you know, I get to watch Netflix for a while, right? So think about how pain and pleasure are attached to any actions you're taking. Same thing with eating. Like if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to lose weight, right? And I think about, okay, Big Mac would be really nice, right? I'm focused on the pleasure of how good it's gonna taste, right? I, I gotta start, if I wanna change that behavior, I gotta think about the pain. You know, moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips. That kind of thing. I'm, I'm too caught up. <laughs> I'm too. I'm too caught up in. I'm too caught up in thinking about play, or, or how much more pleasure is it going to be that I'm going to be able to fit into these clothes that I want to wear, right? So same thing with with our with our motivation for anything that we're doing. If we want to take more action, what's the pleasure that you're going to get from taking this action? What's the pain that you're going to get from not getting this, from not taking this action? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a big time Tony Robbins lesson. I learned it when I was probably a sophomore in college. While I was wrestling at Rutgers. And um, so as a Rutgers, three years went to Penn my last two years, but learned a lot of great stuff about that. And it was all about pain and pleasure. How are you linking those two things in your head, right? I was told when a uh, client smiles, it releases dopamine in their brain, which makes them happy. Yeah. I mean, can you speak, I know we got limited time left, but can yeah. you speak about how the brain kind of works and that's gonna make them more inclined to give you a yes than a no? Yeah, you know, we're, there were studies that were actually done with this, that they had people smile and laugh, like uh, not authentically, but just, Smile, make yourself smile and laugh for two minutes, and, and they would have people do this, and then they rated them on like a happiness meter, whatever you call it, we call it a sunshine meter. <laughs> Isn't that how they measure radioactivity, actually, a sunshine meter? I don't know. Well, in, any, <laughs> in any event, I'm getting all scram scram scrambled up my head, but just the act of smiling and laughing made people happier. So it's the same thing with the, if we act a certain way, we're gonna feel more, we're gonna feel more like that. So it's important, and we want, if we wanna disarm people, you smile. Right, I remember I was watching a, I was watching a Facebook video of um, I don't know, have you ever seen those like like three or four dancing people and they just put random faces like you and your friends on those faces oh, yeah. and people are just Crazy dancing, bodies, yeah. 
Right, what's that called? No, it's like a crazy body with the guy's face in it. That's yeah. Like and it just has a still picture. It's not yeah. like a moving face. With a smile. Right. With a, with a goofy yeah. smile. Yeah. And when you look at it, you see them kind of like going like this, and they have like this big smile on your face. You're like, it doesn't look as weird as it should because they're smiling. You could get you could get away with a lot just by just by smiling. And also another important thing when you pick up the phone, another important sales strategy I learned. I tell our, our sales team this also: smile when you pick up the phone. And while you're talking at different points in time, smile. They could hear it through the phone. They could feel it. Yeah. They could they could feel it. They could hear it, and it disarms them. So being able to being able to laugh and being able to laugh at yourself. Of course, you take yourself serious, but smile and laugh. And, and that, that's also how you get into your right state. Again, that's a general principle. If that's not you, you don't have to do it. But think about it, because there's a lot of good research that backs it. Man, I'm not saying guys be cheesy yeah, talk yeah. about nonsense. I'm saying when there's an opportune time, you know, it doesn't have to be all business all the time. And you know, I pride myself literally on doing that. And I think that's why I close cases. I'm not kidding. I believe in my mind that if this client smiles at me at any point in this meeting, they're going to close. That's how I feel. And they usually yeah. do. Yeah, it's and it, you know that makes me think. That makes me think of Mike Tyson, where he would say he would stare at the people down. You ever see the YouTube video? Maybe some of you, where he was like, and I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him. If I see them drop their eyes, I knew I had him. Yeah. Right? So he'll stare the guy down before the fight, and then if the person drops their eyes, then it's then awesome. he knows he knows he's got him. Now, that's just like a mental edge he's creating for himself. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no. There's nothing grounded actually factually that if a person drops their head. They don't believe in you. I saw two wrestlers in the NCAA finals. The one guy stepped out, he's doing the hard stare, and the other guy just turned his head, didn't look at him at all. And you'd be like, oh, this guy's soft, that guy's gonna beat him. No, and you might think, oh, this guy who's staring him down is the predator. That might be predator for him, but the other guy who's looking away, if that's what he likes to be to keep himself calm, that's predator mindset for that guy. So you gotta do what works for you, right? Uh, follow the principles, like listen to the research, listen to the studies, talk to experts, but then you got to do what works for you. So that's that's key. Yeah. Good man. Great great stuff. Hey, so we got a lot more good stuff we'll share with you. We, I want to get more into like a little bit more like nitty gritty with the um, some of the worksheets that we have the next time. But just wanted to you know give like a little introduction of overall and throw some cool stuff your way. But it's exciting. So thinking about a predator and prey mindset, and really when you're looking at your mentality, try to make it simple because I'm as guilty of overthinking as anyone. Keep it very simple. Is this a prey thought or is this a predator thought? And keep moving in that direction. And do those exercises that I said, right? Writing down your motivation buttons. Three best sales performances, three worst sales performances. What were you thinking before and during each and have the common themes? And then also, what do we say? Coming up with the adversity situations, right? What are the, what are the five or 10 adversity situations that we could see during a sales call? And what are we gonna tell ourselves in those moments? Is there anything that I'm getting tripped up with on a regular basis? Have a plan for it. So we'll talk next time. Good stuff, team. And, um, Tony's got myself, so if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to talk to anyone. You know, so I'm happy to. We're going to be doing these uh, once a month for the next three months. Uh, so I'm sure Tom will get the dates out on the next one. We'll schedule with you. Yeah, and, and, there, and, and chew it around in your minds. Like I said, sometimes the most fruit comes. After the call, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I wonder how this relates. Like it might hit you tomorrow or the next day. Yes, Tony, he's got myself. We talk for five, 10 minutes and straighten that out. And write it down. Okay. Next time he's around, have you know, questions. questions yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Good stuff, team. Dismissed. <laughs> Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 